This is the Garden Path Podcast. Hey, garden friends. Well, it is almost the end of 2020 and just a few more episodes left of this year. And I'm bringing to you an episode that I recorded as a set of voice memos during Thanksgiving when we went camping in the Texas Hill Country. We traveled to two different state parks and first we went to Guadalupe River State Park, a park we had been to, mm, goodness, many years ago, only overnight and I barely have any memory of it. Vague recollections of visiting down by the river, but really no inklings of the rest of the park. So it was basically brand new to me this time around. And I honestly wasn't sure I was going to record any episodes. I left my good microphone at home by accident. And so you get voice memos on my phone, which the audio quality ended up turning out pretty well as I re-listened to edit. And so that's what this is. This episode is about that, just hiking, seeing and naturalizing, trying to botanize and learn some hill country plants and things that I don't see very often. And it was just kind of fun to sit down and record that. Sometimes it was a couple days after the fact because I didn't quite enough get get the time to sit down in real time and do it. So that's what this episode is. I have another episode coming out soon, probably the week after Christmas of South Lana River State Park, another state park we visited. And it will be sort of the similar uh, thing, talking about where we see hiking and just all the interesting uh, flora and fauna that are, that is out there in the Texas Hill Country. And if you're not used to um, this podcast, if this is maybe your first episode, you've only listened to a few episodes, I live in the greater Houston area just a little bit of a different habitat than the hill country. The hill country is more limestone and it's hilly and it's drier. And over here in Southeast Texas, we get a lot more rain. It's a lot more wooded and we have a lot of pine trees and it's just a lot different. Texas is a huge state with a lot of different habitats. And so it's almost like, you know, you're living in Maine, driving down to Connecticut sort of situation. That's kind of the difference in habitat sometimes. So with that, I'm going to lead you on to this episode. There's a little bit at the end that I kept on of my son talking about armadillos. It was kind of just too cute not to not to have an episode. So hang tight with that. And I hope you guys enjoy a little bit about the Texas Hill Country. Oh, I'm up a... Erosional feature here at the state park. Just been along the Bald Cypress Trail along the river. And it's gorgeous, these beautiful, massive, ancient bald cypress. And so Chris is fishing. And there's this little gully that's dry across. So I'm just kind of walking up it to see what might be growing here. And a lot of some sort of verbicina growing. And these old goldenrods. Just like a bunch of rocks and debris. And we're about to get blocked out here with downed trees. It's kind of cool though. It's like being in a I don't know, a little quiet space away from everybody. Oh, so I meant to record yesterday 
while we were out hiking on the Painted Bunting Trail after I did that little jaunt down that little ravine by the river and I didn't uh, I didn't bother getting my phone out to record because it was just such a gorgeous day it was rather warm and uh just you're finished okay (laughs) and anyway the sun was just great this late afternoon warm Texas sun and these fields of grasses dotted with ash junipers in the area and so we decided to go on the Painted Bunting Trail, and it spans both sides of the park here at the Guadalupe River State Park, and or both sides of the park road, I should say. <clears throat> and it's about 2.8 miles, and it's really, it's pretty easy. It's a nice, nice little walk, and there's two parking areas. One parking area only has about, I think, three normal spots, and then one handicap spot, and then the other parking area has at least 10 or so spots on there so it was actually rather full for I mean for Sunday on a holiday pre-holiday weekend and so but the trails themselves weren't that busy and so everybody was spaced out pretty well so we headed east first along well east southeast I guess you should say and first of all I wish I was had brought all of my (laughs) Texas grasses books we have a Texas uh, grasses of the Texas Hill Country book. And I should have brought it because that's what's dominantly blooming right now. Most of the you know flowers have kind of gone to seed or or dormant, but the grasses are gorgeous. And on the way here, we had noticed a blue stem, and we're like, is that little blue stem? I'm not sure. And it is. I ended up going on iNaturalist after the hike to see what had been logged around here, and to verify some of the things I thought were what I was thinking they were and I was glad (laughs) one of them I was glad about was um one called Bothrocloa uh I'm forgetting the species right now but I looked at it I was like I think that's a Bothrocloa and sure enough it's a silver blue stem and it's pretty dominant out here there's another kind of goldish grass that it could be uh Andropogon tenuous tenuous uh, again, I'm but- butchering things at the moment. I can look on iNaturalist, actually. I'll do that right this second since I'm on my phone. Um, it's a little blue stem. Let's explore what's around here in, in the park. And I will pull up what's around here. Lots of cool butterflies, actually. I'm excited because somebody said they saw a white peacock here yesterday or this weekend. And... I've not seen a white peacock in forever, so I'm excited about that a lot. Um, Okay, find this grass here, and just going way down in here, but that's not coming up. So I'll just go to the one that I thought was my grass. There we go. And see what the, what it was suggesting for me. Split beard uh, blue stem, yeah, andropogon ternarius and i don't know i saw that last thanksgiving up at cooper lake state park in northeast texas and a lot common in east texas but the the flowers just the blooms don't look the same so i'm really not sure what it is i'm gonna have to look a little bit closer on my photos and get my book out when i get home and check eye naturalist so that was another common one out there 
animal-wise, there's not too much going on at the moment. There's a lot of armadillos, and I saw a lot of ringtail scat yesterday, and there's deer. And, oh, we actually saw axis, which are a non-native deer as species i think they're from africa don't don't hold me to that i'm gonna have to look i'm not a hunter uh, they're a very common game animal on a lot of ranches here in texas and just people hunt them um and they escape so there's a couple out here in the state park we saw that was kind of cool to see and i want to go find the bird blind sometime today and see if we can find some birds and because i saw we will find a bird blind today. <laughs> and then I'm also, I didn't, there were a couple butterflies I saw yesterday that I wanted to take photos of, but I didn't bother with my long lens and I shouldn't have. And after seeing those other butterflies come up on iNaturalist for the weekend, I'm very excited because I, I really want to find that white peacock. It was very common in Florida. So it's one of my favorites. And they're more common in South Texas and straight to Central Texas. And then in the last week, I've had several people posting Julia's and in Central Texas. And I would love to find one, but I don't know. I don't know if we're going to. So let's hold out and see. So I'm a few days behind here and keeping up to date on the goings on of hiking uh, at Guadalupe River State Park. We're actually down the road at South Lana River State Park now. And by down the road, it's like an hour and a half or so uh, west. <laughs> so I'm going to do a separate uh, episode of, of this. But I wanted to wrap up at the Guadalupe River State Park and talk a little bit more since I've done a little bit more reading about what I found and and what we've what we saw. So I ended up going on a bike ride by myself, uh, doing some off-road biking, that I mountain biking that I haven't done in forever on Monday morning, which was really great. I took the Bard Owl Trail to that Painted Bunny Trail and did most of the Painted Bunny Trail that ended up taking the road down to the river. And I didn't really stop and botanize or naturalize or anything like that. The rocks were pretty rough on that barred owl trail, but it was just really nice to, to do that. And then I ended up meeting uh, my son and husband down at the river. They were fishing and um, just we kind of hung out there, walked around the river. People were fishing and did some botanizing there. There's bunch of different invasive stuff going on and uh you know some native stuff as well and i was just checking that out there was so invasive there's like castor bean was one of the big ones that i saw but native there was you know plenty of um interesting stuff going on let me see if i can pull my iNatural stuff to see what i logged and i can share a little bit about that um but it was really, really nice along the river there. Uh, oh no, that's, that's later on. Okay. Yeah. So down, down by the river, there was a few things that I didn't identify quite yet. I'm going to have to look on the computer. I don't really like the suggestions situation on iNaturalist on my phone. Um, very common, this rough cockleburr, Xanthium strumerium. And it is native to 
Well, it says it probably originates in North America and has been extensively naturalized everywhere else. And it's definitely all over the United States. Sightings everywhere. And here, it's definitely along the riparian areas. And it's a pretty cool looking plant. Some frog fruits. So with the gorgeous bald cypress along the river there. Some blue stem, bushy blue stem. A carrot family that looks like something I know, but I'm having to, and again, I need to look at this. Oh, the other invasive, mullen. This is something I don't get because it's invasive. It seems like it'd be really fairly easy to kind of control because it's mostly, I, I noticed this when we went to the Davis Mountains a few years ago. It's mostly in like riparian, dry riparian beds. I mean, it's in other areas too, but I feel like it's a plant that, I don't know, if you tackled a couple times a year, you had a team on it, like, I don't know, even twice a year, you could, like, get under control within a few years in your park. I mean, I don't know. That's just one of the things I don't understand what the invasive species plan is for Texas Parks and Wildlife. And maybe they don't have a plan or they do, and they just don't have the funding or the staffing to deal with it. But I don't know. I, I want to personally go and, like, harvest all the mullein because it's invasive. And I know some of those, some of the herbalists out there are like, no, don't harvest it because um, I know it's it's useful in medicinal ways. But it's just, it's a problem. And it was a problem at Guadalupe Ruby, uh, River State Park. So it was another big one. Oop. There's some kids going, uh, whining across the, up, away from me. Um, Santa Mariva Fearfew was another one. Uh, Parthenium forest. So it's native to the Americas, but apparently it's kind of become invasive in India, Australia, and parts of Africa. It's just a little, kind of nondescript little white flowering plant. This funny spot, a cucumber beetle. That was kind of cool. Wasn't too much going on down there uh, along the river and we didn't want to stay because it was getting busy and once crowds come in with masks and stuff like that it just gets a little hectic and it was fairly fairly good on the state park this time there wasn't too too many issues with wearing masks or having people not wear masks um i don't know this region is better or just because the cases have gotten so crazy everybody's actually complying but it was just it felt better to kind of move away from that once crowds started coming in around noon but then later on tuesday we went over to the bower unit of the park which is on the north side of the river and you have to drive well you could technically wade across it and it was actually closed on monday uh, sunday and monday for hunting and reopened on Tuesday and so you could have waded across in, in um, one of the low spots but we didn't really want to do that it was kind of chilly so we drove across it took about 30 minutes just to drive around uh, to Bergheim and around into the park that way and it was really scenic really nice I found myself a uh, stone house setting up on the bluff of the Guadalupe back there that I would have loved and it's just this you know old ranch style house nothing super fancy that is like so much is getting built out here in the hill country but um I would have I would have liked to have had a little nook there 
<laughs> it was one of those dreaming things. But we ended up on the Bowery unit and did about a five-mile hike, looping a couple different trails together. And that hike ended up being a little bit drizzly when we started off. And then it dropped down into, about two miles in, we dropped down to the river. And we were able to go down the bluff wasn't very steep in that section so we were able to go down to this gravelly area and just kind of poke around along there see what was going on there's actually a lot of interesting stuff going on there that i was excited about let me see if i can find out what i logged oh the big one was coastal germander huge huge plant almost rivaling my plant in my garden or it's a cuban germander also called um Tucurium cubens, and it was pretty huge. It was on the second tier of that gravel bar, and was pretty impressed with it. Also, some more castor bean, bunch of different grasses, that rough cockleburr, and then a couple plants that I just took little pictures of their basil rosettes that I need to identify later. Most of it I just threw into iNaturals to see what I could log and if anybody else would identify it, but I'm going to have to go through and look harder when I get home. Also, was interesting was on that second tier was a mealy blue sage, uh, Salvia farinaceae. That was interesting. We found Dakota mock vervain, Mullen again, some sort of Dutchura. Um, there's a couple species in this area. Again, I need to go kind of figure out which is what. And then, oh, a climbing milkweed, uh, Funistrum, uh, Cyanenocoides. Yeah, it was mostly in fruit. The fruit was, the seeds were opening and the, they were flying. So there's no flowers and there were some leaves on it. It was mostly defoliated, just like a green vine with seed pods. And then after that, we got back on the trail and walked past this uh, old house old homestead dating back to the 1870s is falling apart ramshackle thing and there was a couple interesting things around there a lindheimer senna senna lindheimerania most of this the, the sinnas were hard to figure out because not a lot of leaves on them just i did have seed pods so but there was no flowers so it was a little pain and then there was an indigo i need to figure out which indigo it was indigofra I'm not sure. Somebody said it could be Lenheimerania or a Miniata. And I need to, again, figure out. I think it's going to be Miniata. Figure out what that was. And then we saw some cool leafcutter ants that were carrying juniper berries across the path. And the juniper berries, <laughs> it was really kind of funny. I took a video. They were amazing to see these ants crawling across the path with the juniper berries. And we have leafcutters in our neighborhood and I love to watch them but seeing them uh, with the juniper berries was just kind of funny and then the rest of the trail wasn't too uh, super interesting it's mostly ash juniper and some grasses and oh we did walk over onto another trail that um, I'm trying to think of the name of the creek but it was supposed to go up to a bluff above a creek but we didn't end up going the whole way but the terrain was a lot different. It reminded me of either, this is kind of weird. So it reminded me of either like Guadalupe Mountains or Big Bend, like a lot of rocky rocks strewn about and the way it hugged 
the curve of the hill, uh, just the way a trail will go certain around the tra the a topo line there. Sorry, I'm just like rambling there. But the way the trail would follow a topo line. Or it also reminded me a little bit of the cross timbers area of north central Texas. And I don't know, just just that scene there, just that's what it reminded me of. It was a cool little section of trails, much different from everything else that I had seen in the park so far. So that was a neat little section. But there was, yeah, not too much going on in the way of, I don't know, interesting plants at that time. Some of the butterflies were starting to fly. I did see a juniper hair streak, which was probably the highlight for me at that day. And I haven't seen one in a few years. The last time was at McKinney Falls State Park. And that was just, so that was a really exciting thing. Um, no other real wildlife other than a lot of ringtail scat. <laughs> And for those who aren't familiar with ringtails, they are uh, a little mammal here. Kind of I'm trying to pull up some information here so you could understand what ringtails are. So they're in the raccoon family, and they're just kind of native to the southwest uh, region of the United States, down into Mexico, maybe northern Central America. And they're just like look like a little cat sort of thing but they have this big bushy tail big eyes because they're nocturnal um you know almost like not like a possum but they do look like a cat like they crouch like a cat big old bushy tail that's raccoon looking with black and white stripes and they're just they're really common out this direction and we saw a ton of scat but no actual animals and Actually, we're here at South Llano right now, which is one of the more common places to see them. We, which is actually the places we've both seen them barely <laughs> uh, before. We've also got them barely on our some trail cams before too. So hopefully we'll run into them live here. Oh, I also just want to update because I found out, I was talking about one of the grasses the other day, one of the yellow grasses that was everywhere along that painted bunting trail and it turns out it is not native and at first I didn't really believe what the identification was um on on iNaturalist somebody came in who knows what they're talking about this is someone I see all the time on iNaturalist came through and identified it for me and I was like I don't know that just doesn't look like what you're telling me but I saw the same plant here and I looked at it closer and it is it's King Ranch Bluestem. It's Bothria Chloa Ascamum. I'm not even pronounce that right. And it's, I knew as soon as I saw that it was not native. And it's kind of become a naturalized and problematic uh, grass here in Texas for sure. Across some areas of the central and southwest. And it's from uh, Europe, Asia, and Africa. Which is pretty much naturalized here. And... I'm guessing a King Ranch Park probably comes from... I'm going to open Wikipedia until it see what it says here. But probably the King Ranch in South Texas. Okay, Wikipedia is not very helpful at all. Basically tells me the same thing that iNaturals was telling me. And nothing about why it's called King Ranch Bluestem. So we're going to go to the Googles here. See what it says. Boost him. Okay, Texas State Invasives. 
Maybe they'll tell me a little bit more. Okay. I'm going to read the description. This is why it threw me off. So the King Ranch Blue Stem is a bunch of grass that grows in tufts with erect or spreading combs 18 to 48 inches tall. Stems turn a straw color when mature. Leaves are thicker near the collar and the upper surface is covered with long, silky hairs. The stems are naked at the top. Each stem produces a loose terminal seed head that is usually purplish. On several primary branch branches, spikelets can be found with a red-purple color, whether the spikelets are fertile or sessile. So it's those other stems at the top that threw me off from the actual flowering spike. And that's what I was looking at and not realizing. And so when I got here and I looked closer and I saw, I was like, well, this is the same plant. This can't be this same grass and a little closer and sure enough those purple flowering spikes are, are right next to it which is really disturbing because that plant was all over the Guadalupe River State Park all in their range area and it's all over this park too and obviously I don't know what you do other than I don't know if you can burn it out um, I'm not up on range management habitat for King Ranch Bluestem so a little bit further on this Texas State uh, invasive, um, this has been observed to diminish grassland bird diversity and abundance by reducing insect diversity. In addition, um, this study has shown the habitats dominated by it can produce a less species-rich rodent fauna than habitats with native grass than ha than habitats with native grasses. Okay. <laughs> so, a little bit further reading. History. In the native lands, this King Ranch Blue Stem is thought to be excellent grass for soil and water conservation. It is resilient, uh, as resilience is encouraged, the intentional introduction of old world blue stems in the late 1800s and early 1900s because of their high forage quality, their grazing tolerance, and their rapid growth or establishment. The specific King Ranch Blue Stem, uh, Bothrochloa escamum variety uh sung totally butchering this song sung erica sung erica let me see if i can try this again bothrocloa iscamum variety sung erica was intentionally created on king ranch as an ideal foraging grass for grazing animals however since plants cannot be contained within open areas the grass accidentally spread beyond the king ranch and now inhabits over half of texas oh goodness isn't that the story of all invasives uh yeah later it says eradicating statewide will be more of a challenge it may never occur well, I will tell you this, it is all over here in this part of Texas, and that's very, very disturbing. So I'll wrap it up. Guadalupe River State Park was excellent if you're looking for a park somewhere between Austin and San Antonio. If you want to get out and see the, the Guadalupe River, I definitely recommend going to the Bower Unit on the north side if you want a little bit more of a quieter s scenery. Um, than the south side because the south side is going to be where you know all the campers all the day people are going to be and uh get a little bit of slice of the hill country and maybe you pretend you don't see all the king ranch blue stem everywhere <laughs> otherwise it's a very interesting place and it was uh, a great place to go hiking and 
I will be back with an episode on South Lana River soon. I liked all of the armadillos. How many have we found? Um, I haven't counted. There is Dilly, Army, Far Away Dilly, Rocky, Rocky, Diggy, Mm -hmm. Heidi, Heidi, O'Neary. Mhm. And who? Grassy. Grassy was a new. That's a new one. Yes, that is. And um, there was another one that mom and dad saw, but you didn't see. What was that one called? Missy, Misty? No, because you miss. It was one you didn't see. Fasty. Fasty. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Sorry too. Oh, okay. <laughs> All those armadillos. What else have you seen? We haven't seen any turkeys yet, but maybe tomorrow we'll see some. Okay, do we see a jackrabbit today? Yes! What else? Mm-hmm. Foxes. Oh, yeah, we saw foxes last night. Good old foxes. We also saw some birds at the bird blind. Mm-hmm. Cardinals. Red cardinals. Yeah. Scrub jays. Scrub jays. Don't see them at the bird blind. Okay, okay, enough. And we saw rocks that told us bird blind. <laughs> oh, we saw the road runner too. Mm-hmm. Road runner. Okay. Say bye. And the fire is on, and we're about to play Uno. All right, that's it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. I hope to do more of these in the future, especially hopefully in 2021. We'll be able to get out and do more hiking and and see a little bit more than we did in 2020. And I I really enjoy always putting together these episodes because I'm learning as I go. And I think it's it's interesting to hear that um, from other people. I want to hear people kind of teaching me and how they're learning as well. So if you enjoyed the episode, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Hit a like and a rating and review over there on iTunes because I think that's the only place that really does ratings these days. And... Tell your friends, tell all your garden friends about the podcast. I would love to get the word out a little bit. Thegardenpathpodcast.com for show notes. You can find the Garden Path Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. All right, until next time. <laughs>